HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. And I was like, are you sure? They were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So because um, I, I doubt myself a lot. What mm-hmm. I did is that I went to eat in a lot of those restaurants where the brand yeah. works. And I started taking notes of what oh, I nice. see, the service, what I think, how I think they can improve it and everything. I was... I'm like a very I'm anxious person, so I started reading all this uh, the financial reports from oh, the company, wow. everything that they published, every single thing that I found. That doesn't sound like company. a waitress. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. So I started reading everything to prepare myself for the interview because I was like, I've never done yeah. this. So. Hi everyone, you're listening to Item Thirteen podcast, and I'm your host Yom Tego. Every week, we'll delve into the world of African food, including chefs, curators, and bloggers. I hope you enjoy it. In this week's episode, I sat down with Suzanne Tiega, the founder of Zest and Bliss, a creative lifestyle company specialized in hospitality and entertainment. Zest and Bliss is a multifaceted business offering operational consulting and catering and event production services. Suzanne holds a master in international event and festival management. We met on a rare sunny summer day in London and had a great conversation on the important topic of managing your African food operation. Her expertise and great sense of humor made this a fun and insightful conversation. I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. Welcome to the show, Suzanne. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here on a beautiful day in London. And we're stuck inside. (laughs) To talk about food. Yeah, hopefully not for too long. Um, so let's start with you telling us a little bit about yourself. Introduce Suzanne to the world. <laughs> <laughs> let's try to do that. So, so hi, I'm Suzanne. So I'm Cameroonian. I grew up in Cameroon and actually I'm a restaurant manager, restaurateur, people would say, because I work in different fields in the yeah. restaurant industry and also an event planner. So I do have a company that I created two years ago, actually, Zest and Bliss, which actually helps chefs to organize mm-hmm. events or support them if they already have contracts or help them run their own right. restaurant. So it's quite diverse. Yeah. I would say it's a lot around food. So that's literally that's, me. That's you. <laughs> that's so literally you have, in a nutshell. Let's, let's talk about how you ended up in London from Cameroon. Wow, that's a long journey there. <laughs> like a two-minute two version. A two-short-minute like, yeah. version, say. So. 
Ah, so I moved from Cameroon to France because, you know, a lot of French-speaking people, right. which I'm from a French-speaking background, moved to France to, you know, study and everything. I didn't know actually quite what I was going to do. I just knew that I wanted to speak to people and that was it. So I moved to France for eight years. And then after eight years of going to school and working at the same time and adjusting, I would say, my studies according to my work experiences, I wanted to go to an English-speaking country. So I just took the wall map and checked which <laughs> really? country, yes. That's why I was like, where can I go, you know? So I was like, US, no, too violent. <laughs> Canada, too far if I have an issue. And I want to go and cold, like literally very cold. You know, I checked, you know, temperature. I checked everything. I'm very thorough. And it seemed very too far from, you know, Cameroon or anything. If yeah. I wanted just to go and pop in right. and see family. And then, you know, UK sounds like the good compromise. It's not very far from Europe and not very far mm. from France also. So I started looking around to what I can do mm. as a master anyway, because I did my master here. And a, a lecturer of mine told me, you know, the best way to know what you want to do next is to write down all the very significant events that you had in your life mm. and all the moments where you had very great emotions and you felt fulfilled. And then you will see there's a, you know, the common thread most, most mm. of the time. And then there you can figure out what you want to do. So I started writing writing down what I loved when I was little, cooking in the kitchen, organizing parties, massaging people. Organizing parties? Yeah, I love that. I would organize parties for my friends and everything. And so I saw all those moments, massaging people and all that. And then I sat with him and he kind of saw a common trend with it. He said, yeah, you should do event planning. I'm like, what? Like, do you, can you study that? You know, I didn't know because in France it's not very popular. He said, yeah, of course, in England you can study that and it's a real job. So I did apply and then I came to UK. And I started, and then I was going to leave. And then a friend of mine told me, you should go to London before you leave. You cannot come to UK yeah. without going to London. And I came to London, and I found a job in a city that I love, so yeah. I stayed. Oh, that's but, a good two minutes. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank you. I did it, like, very quick. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your master's. And So you said you moved to London, so you didn't do your master's in London. No, I did my master in Edinburgh in Scotland. Okay. So it was really interesting. It was a one-year master, which in France we don't have. We have in two years, so it was already surprising for me. It was very practical. I had a lot of guest lecturers that actually had business and events or, you know, that worked in big uh, events because mm-hmm. it was master in festival and events right. management so a I master in events and festival well, yeah management. yeah international so i know i know it was international <laughs> events and festivals wow. management so we had a lot a lot of lecturers that were either lawyers that work in big uh, mega events or you know international mm-hmm. okay. because it, it can explain the struggle that you have an event mm-hmm. planner if you're organizing i would say the world cup for example we had a lawyer that mm-hmm. worked in the world cup so you know you have to think about you know the laws that apply when you're, you know, I didn't even think about that from the you know, even aspect. just all yeah. uh, oh, the logistic also, they'll tell you when you have mega events, the logistic of sending, you know, supplies from mm-hmm. all over the world and then you have to pay taxes when you're getting in, but wow. then you can have, yeah. you know, you can have discounts because it's a special event, mm-hmm. all this kind of things. And he was saying, you know, as an event planner, mm-hmm. you have to understand that you can unload the law, but you have to know which people you have to talk to and you have to yeah. be aware of all those small pieces that, you know, kind of stick together so the master was really interesting mm. i learned a lot of things and i met a lot of people that are working in the industry yeah. so that was really nice and it gave me i would say more self-confidence in myself like realizing that it's actually something right. you can get paid for <laughs> <laughs> and so it was really interesting really really interesting and okay. i started there i would say i think i had a, a rough idea of the business i wanted to do mm. there because we had a modern business planning so okay. the whole year we're working each of us on a business okay. idea of ours that was 
no money is supposed to be viable by the yeah. end of the year that we could launch if we wanted okay. instead of going to look for a job. All right. So. so then you finished the masters and moved to London. London. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to figure out my life yeah. <laughs> afterwards. So yeah. I moved to London and I started working like a lot of people in in agencies to waitressing, but I wanted to do just high end. So most of the time I go to the Reese, the Mandarin to see how it works behind the scenes. And I was just applying for jobs and I did, I was thinking, you know, I'm not that competent. So I applied to be a waitress, to be honest with you, <laughs> in a restaurant. See, what is this thing where people, like low self confidence i, I know i think i don't know yeah. if it's a, a woman thing yeah. i don't know if it's an african thing i don't know if it's a french speaking thing because when i was in my class i felt like english-speaking people had that yeah. thing that sass about themselves mm-hmm. like yeah i'm going to open my business i was like you're just like, like 20 something go, like you're just 20 something are you sure you want to do this yeah. so i was like oh yeah i'm just going to apply to be a waitress and then i'll figure out things along the way and so i send my cv and they call me back and say don't you want to be a manager? I was like, what? Yeah, that was literally, I was like, what do you mean a manager? Like, manage people? Yeah, 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 you can do that. That's so interesting to me how, like, even your resume, your CV shows your, like, you know, your strong skills, but you yourself, Uh, yes, I've never, yeah, I've really, almost lowered the bar. And even though, yeah, even though I had experience as a manager already in France and hospitality was in a restaurant, you know, and, I was like, are you sure? They were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because um, I, I doubt myself a lot. What mm-hmm. I did is that I went to eat in a lot of those restaurants where the brand works. Yeah. And I started taking notes of oh, what nice. I see, the service, what idea. I think, how I think they can improve it and everything. I was, I'm like a very, <laughs> I'm anxious person. So, I started reading all this, uh, the financial reports from oh, the company, wow. everything that it published, every single thing that I found that online. That doesn't like a waitress. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. So I started reading everything to prepare myself for the interview because I was like, I've never done yeah. this. So during the interview, we had a ch- I actually had three rounds of interviews. I had one with the manager, then I had one from the technical team, then I had one with the financial mm-hmm. team. And I was like, oh, interview means they don't want me you know and then after they call me they're like yeah you're amazing we love your personality maybe you don't have experience but the technical skills we can still teach yeah. you but the personality and the you know the, the, the right attitude, the, the, attitude yeah. the right attitude that you had we were very impressed because you didn't know anything but you came and told us oh yeah in your financial result yeah. of last year you said this yeah. and that i can see that this brand is struggling and everything so i started as a manager and i had a team of 30 people <laughs> i know right <laughs> What's a big team? <laughs> I can tell you what's hard. I think the first the first two months I wanted to quit because yeah. no one would listen to me, but it was really but interesting. You were able to figure that's that's, yes, that's yes. amazing. Hey. Yeah, it was a, it was a good experience. Yeah. Good and I think part of it is so it's, I mean it's the attitude, it's the preparation and like I don't want to sound like an old person, but I feel like a lot of young people today, maybe it's also social media that glamorizes things mm. that don't like you don't go from A to Z. Like you need it's to true. put in the work. Yes, right? it's true. It's true. I think yeah, sometimes even myself I tend to forget it because like when I wanted to transition, because I always wanted to be event planner, yeah. So it just happens that I started as a restaurant manager. And all the time I was trying to transition to both to the event side of it. And I was like, I don't understand it. Like, why is it not working? But then I was thinking, yeah, but you have some skills, but you don't have yet yeah. the right ones. So you have to work on that. Yeah. And yeah, and you said social media also doesn't help because yeah. people think that you can just wake up yeah. and be overnight, success. overnight Warren Buffett. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
I want to be rich and famous as well. It took him 30 years, maybe. Right, exactly. Can you think about that for a minute? 10 years online success, right? Okay. So, restaurant manager, I know you worked, eventually you worked at Nando's. How did that happen and what was that experience like? So, I, so my first company, I was a restaurant manager and Nando's also, I was a restaurant manager, but the interest that I have, I'm a very curious person about a lot of things, all related to events and food and drinks, you know, so that, I didn't pick it up before some people did for me. So, I did my restaurant was very uh, sitting type of service, casual mm-hmm. dining. And I wanted to have a different experience of the, you know, learn from different people that mm-hmm. offer different experiences to, to, to customers. And actually, during my master, I did um, a presentation in Nando's. Because, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> funny enough, funny yeah. enough. <laughs> funny enough, I didn't know, because I was reading about different restaurants and different groups, and then I realized that Nando's is like South African Portuguese. Mm-hmm. Russian was like, oh wow, amazing. And they have Russian in US and you know, now oh, in US, yeah. in Canada also, in India. I was like, since when do we have a big uh, catering company that's African mm. and that is proud of it and then shows and showcases it? So I was really fascinated. Mm. So I did a research on them during my master. And then I was three months in my first job as a restaurant manager and I had someone from HR Nando send me a mail saying, Hey, do you want to work for us? I was like, Oh well, <laughs> I've just started here. <laughs> I'm not ready yet. <laughs> Let's just wait. Yeah. <laughs> I've just been here three months. They offered me a position I wasn't even dreaming about. Yeah. So I'll see. I'll contact you later. Yeah. So like, okay, fair enough. That's, you know, good. I was like, yeah, I just started here. So so after a year and a half, I'm like, no, I'm going to call them back and yeah. see, you know, what it's saying. And then I, I bring her and she's like, yeah, we have recruitment days to come in. And we had a chat. We had some few exercises to kind of, you know, guess your personality. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, you're the right fit for us. And they were the right fit for me yeah. also, you know, it's just a different style of, uh, you know, of catering or, you know, restaurant and serving mm-hmm. the guests, but the quality is still there. And I did learn a different approach to service, literally, a different approach to managing your team mm-hmm. also, because the the age range wasn't the same. I had younger people, yeah. some of them, it was their first job ever. Yeah. We had to help them open bank accounts also for a lot of them. <laughs> so I it was moving from a team of 30 people where a lot of them were experienced waiter and even experienced chefs, some way older than me, mm. some could, could be even my dad, yeah. moving to a team where I was the oldest in the whole yeah. thing, you know, and I had more experience than them. So I did learn how to manage different Yeah, so how groups. did you even, and I should have asked you this earlier, when you first picked up that team of 30, and how, like, how did you figure it out? Like, just <laughs> that was, trial and error. And it was like, I remember my, yeah, it, it was tough. It was, I, I can be honest with you, it was really difficult because I went in a team where a lot, especially with the kitchen, because mm-hmm. I think the chefs in the kitchen is harder for me to, to get along with. I went in the kitchen where they were all male. They were all over 50. And I was just this tiny small girl that came. <laughs> I never worked in a restaurant yeah. and they knew it, you know, and they were used to have their own ways and everything. And they were adorable people. Like when you get to know them yeah. at the beginning, I just even couldn't get in the kitchen. Like I would get there and they were like, get out of my kitchen. Yeah. And it was their <laughs> kitchen, you know. And like, yeah, why are you doing this? I was like, I'm just following the book, you know. But then I started, that's the thing about me because I'm very anxious. I do a lot of research. So I started first organizing the office for myself because I like, everything and then i started reading every file from every employee in my restaurant oh, okay. knowing when they were born so i had my i created to fight with the birthdays if they had any sickness if they had any conditions and everything like that so i started taking care of them even though they didn't like yeah. me so i knew okay this one is diabetic he has to take his medication at 9 8 at 9 p.m oh, so nice. i'll just go there at like 
8.55, I'll tell him, get out, go and take your medication. Like, no, 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 I'm busy. I was like, no, I know how to cook. I'm good to cook. You go, you eat, you sit down, and then you come back. Yeah, I don't want you. Oh, so that's cool. small yeah. things that helped me, I think, that w- they realized that I was yeah. I was caring for them. So I would stay there and help them also if they were shorthanded. Yeah. I knew the whole menu. So I stayed with my training oh, with them. Multitasking. Yeah, yeah. Just in case something happens, you never know, because I'm always thinking that yeah. it's the end of the world. So I knew the whole menu, so I could support them also. So I think little by little, by just showing them that mm-hmm. I'm not above them, I'm not the kind of manager that's just there telling you, you have to right. do this, you have no, to do that. Really good. It helped me connect with them, but it took me some time. Okay. It took me a lot of time. But then you're able to translate that in some ways to your new Nando's team. Although well, they were a little bit different. Nando's were a little bit different. It was more of modeling yeah. skills that I had to live up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was different. It was yeah. like, yeah, more of the modeling skill that I had to develop. Before getting to the part where I had to train them to do something, I had to be more listening and yeah. asking them how the day was, you know, what happened at home, yeah. you know, all these kind of things that okay. I... I did it before, but, you know, people would take initiative to talk to me yeah. because I didn't want to invade them. Right. Whereas in Nando's, they would feel like, oh, she's very cold or something yeah. like that. So I had to be kind of the friend, right. but still keep a limit. So I learned how to, you know, be friendly enough, but not too friendly, okay. you know. That's what that I learned sense. in Nando's. Yeah. So. so then you do Nando's and decide, now I want to do my own thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, right? Overnight. <laughs> I want to do my own thing. Yeah, I now have the confidence after and, everyone and to do my own me. thing. So that was a f- well. When I started being in Nando's, I had more time for myself because I was in the company I was before. I was working a lot, like long hours, and sometimes even six days a week. It was it was enormous drag and take. But then when I moved to Nando's, I had more free time, so I started going to more food events, you know, professional one, trade events also, and also meeting a lot of African chefs because mm-hmm. what I discovered when I came to London is that a lot of African chefs everywhere. There's a lot of black people <laughs> everywhere. I was like, amazing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I started eating out and meeting chefs and speaking with them, and all the time I will give them advice, like, you know, you should do this in your restaurant, you should check this, you should do that. And they were like, can you come and help me? I was like, well, I'm busy. I'm working, you know, I have a job already. And then at some point, one of the chefs were like, well, can I, you know, can you quit Nando's and come to work for me? And I was like, you know, I don't want to work for someone anymore. I want to work with someone. It's not the same thing. You know, there's just a small, slight difference there. So, you know, I always wanted to create my company anyway. So, yeah, why not? You know, it was just a one you know, one time this year I went home, I created my own company on the HR and say that night, the day after I was there, like, Nando's, goodbye. I have to go in. Yeah, that was that was literally it. I had like uh, that was literally it. It was like wow. in one night everything yeah. was decided. I didn't have a name, nothing. I was like, yeah, let's do this, you know. Okay. So, but I had a client already, so I think that yeah, that kind of helped me to move helpful. into the yeah. position. So I was full time entrepreneur for a few months, and then after I was like, mm, this thing is very difficult, yeah. you know. And I didn't prepare it. Like I'm not a preparation type of person, even though you might think. So I did get into it, and it was really insightful. I did mm-hmm. learn a lot during those few months where I was just full-time okay. working for different chefs, different people actually. Okay. And so, so you call your company Zest and Bliss. Yes. Let's talk about why it's called Zest and why? Bliss. Why? Oh, yeah. So it was a long process of a year minimum of looking for names. <laughs> I, uh, I take you my time. Thorough, yeah, I take my time. Yeah. <laughs> I started looking first for Swahili names and then maybe uh, Latin names. So, like I was looking for something 
And I, I didn't know what actually. So, but then I started because I'm very tall. I started thinking, okay, what do I want people to feel? Because at the end of the day, when you're doing an event, you want people to go with the feeling mm. home, an emotion home. And I started writing things about the, the feeling that I like to emulate. And also I went back into the exercise of thinking about all the mm. moments that I liked in my life and how I made people feel at those moments and mm. why I like those yeah. feelings. So I would start writing, you know, just adjectives and words mm. and then synonyms and everything and also i tried to find something that was a little bit like me also mm-hmm. so i started writing asking friends and sending uh, you know questions to friend personality questions to friend like what do you think about me yeah. what's my qualities and everything and ex-boyfriends also like i was just serving <laughs> every single person on earth my mom and everything and then i pick up all those you know common words that yeah. they had and i started looking for adjectives and synonyms and then a lot of things that people told me is that I'm cuckoo, I'm a little bit quirky, you know, I'm like weird. My mom would say crazy. <laughs> so I was looking for all those words. And, you know, the word that came a lot was very zest, you know, some kind of sass to your life. And I just like the word zest. And bliss is also one of those feelings that I love to emulate. You know, I like people to come home and be happy. Mm-hmm. I always like to receive friends home. They have just for two, three minutes or an hour, you just forget whatever mm-hmm. is happening around you. Just enjoy the moment. And then, you know, that's how kind of the name came. It's a bit of me, a bit of what yeah. I like people to feel. That's cool. After being that's really cool. Me. I always okay. like to hear stories of how people came up with the name. That's really good. Like, you're thorough. Take my time. Okay. Yeah. So then what services, let's break it down. What sort of services do you offer so, to the clients that come to you? Yeah, so I have, I would say I have two different clients mainly. I have chefs mainly. That was the first, mm-hmm. you know, pipeline that I went down to. And the chef, the service that I offer are very varied. So I've worked with chef where I just help them do pop-up events. So literally I'll help them from zero to finish. Okay. We design the menu together. We see how we can earn some money from there, the portioning also, preparation beforehand, mm-hmm. breaking out the day. And then I also do the setup, you know, I recruit a front of house mm-hmm. and then I do the design and decoration. And sometimes I also created some piece out, out pieces myself of, oh, wow. because I just couldn't find what I wanted <laughs> for the venue. Yeah. Uh, so that's one pipeline. I also some chefs that have restaurants already and they are struggling and they ask me to come and help them either just to train the staff mm-hmm. or to really manage the whole restaurant, which is what I've done before. So that's easier for me. Or I just come like a, a one-off event to have them on that on yeah. that side, yeah. And now I'm starting to develop to work more with I would say public and you know personal people. So I'm organizing weddings now, you know, oh amazing, yes, I know. amazing, <laughs> amazing. So I'm organizing weddings now, and I have one big one coming next next year. So it's really interesting. So I would say those are the two. two I would say two clients, clients yeah. I do have at the moment. Are you mostly doing um, African chefs, African? Well, it's a mix of. So so far, I've had just African chefs. Okay, it was not an intention. Yeah. I would say of mine. I was just like you know, I want to help anyone or everyone. But I did feel like in the African community, there's a lot of struggle still there. Right. So that's why somehow it just fell off that. A lot of people that come for me, for me, for help, are African chefs. Okay. And then how do you grow your client base? Like, how do you get new clients? So, so far, I have to be honest, I've not been looking a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not big in advertising. That I have to say, I have to work on that aspect. Most of the time, it's really, literally, recommendation. Even the wedding was recommendation. I didn't have to send any email, pitch anything. I still have to work on my elevator pitch. I have to still work on the elevator pitch. It's literally just meeting people, discussing with them, 
chatting with them like oh you have experience like yeah. yeah yeah i do have and then they'll meet a friend of them that has a struggle and that's literally how it works most of the time like i know someone that can help you and they'll give my phone number and that's just how i get my clients most of the with time. no work <laughs> i should <laughs> work on that i still need no, to be able like, to you know to be full-time entrepreneur yeah. so i think if i put a bit more work there then i'll be full-time oh, cool. you know all right so let's take a short break now and then when we come back we'll sort of delve more into the topic of catering and african food businesses mm. how you create like unique dining experiences for them and the challenge more into the challenges of starting your own business yes. so we'll take a short break and we'll be right back so we're back from the break uh, talking about a little bit more about your business, but in terms of the challenges that you faced in running, like going from a structured Nando's mm. etc. to like, okay, now you're the woman in charge <laughs> of everything. Yeah, of everything. So maybe, like, what would you say are your top three challenges in running your own my own business? business? So and especially when you think about the clientele that you also have that I'm having. Okay, so. Top three problems that I did have is preparation. <laughs> even though I'm a Torah <laughs> person, <laughs> even yeah. though I'm a Torah person, I decided to go in business overnight. Yeah. yeah? So true. a lot of things they say, yeah, you don't need money to run your business or anything. Well, I think when you're full time, you need to have a bit of security somehow, yeah. even if it's going back to live with your parents yeah. or anything like that. I was in my case, I have a student loan to pay, which a lot of people do. <laughs> have. I, yeah, I do. It. <laughs> See? And so the glamorization of job being an entrepreneur, you're like, yeah, I work for myself. Yeah. But then you don't realize that when you're in a big structure, you have a lot of cash flow. So even if you cannot pay straight away a bill, the bank knows you, yeah. so they're going to let it slide. When you're by yourself, you don't pay a rent a bill. They don't know you. <laughs> so I think you have to have a bit of financial preparation when you're getting into a business, be it taking a loan or anything, but you have to have some kind of net yeah. there to help you out because the worst decision you can take are when, when you're like constrained and you cannot think properly and clearly. I think that's what happened to me a lot is that at some point I wasn't able to think ahead that much because I had to think of now. Yeah. And because of those financial issues. So I think financial preparation is really important uh, when you're starting a business. And let's not not, not overlook it yeah. at all. It's really important. Then the second thing that I say I we have is that at the beginning, I didn't have a clear idea of who my clientele was. So I would just meet people. And you, like I told you, they would yeah. come in. And I would like, yeah, great. I'll just work with you. And then being able to kind of set out who I want to work with mm-hmm. and who I don't want to work with because I've spent a lot of time pitching, speaking to people and having, and then finally realizing that they were not the mm-hmm. right fit for me. But I think if I did figure out from the get-go who am I, you know, working for, then I'll be able to kind mm-hmm. of, you know, remove all the noise around that. This would be the second thing. And the third thing, <sighs> that is the loneliness of it all. Oh, yeah. You know? you know, I did read somewhere, I read somewhere that, like, there's a lot of long, long and depression, like with entrepreneurship, yeah. that people the, don't talk about a lot. Like you said, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the glamorization. Yeah, it's the loneliness of you all. All my friends, well, I've always been the like kind of the crazy friend, you know, that goes and travel overnight. Yeah. So like, yeah, I'm going there. You know, I don't take a lot of time to do big decisions. So when I started my business, they all knew that I always wanted to have. So everyone was like, oh, you're it's amazing. You yeah. have, you have, you're a bus lady now, you know, and, you know, and every time they would call, they were like, oh, you have your own company. I, I envy you so much. I would like to quit my full time and just come. And you're like, I still have to figure out how I'm going to pay my rent this month. Like, 
you know, and they're like, they're, oh, you're so busy, it's amazing. And all your friends would give you all this appraisal. And then when you get by yourself in your room, just like, ah, I don't see it. Like, you don't see it. And you don't have anyone to speak with no. about your struggles, you know, or your doubts and everything. Like I said, I'm a very anxious person. But I would say, like, maybe I'm not working hard enough. Yeah. And you don't have a lot of, I would say, support when you're by yourself, yeah? And sometimes you just don't have the courage to go also in any networking yeah. event where you speak like that with people. So I think, yeah, it's very lonely. How, how do you deal with this? Because I find that, I mean, like, obviously I'm not a full-time entrepreneur. I wouldn't even call myself an entrepreneur per se. But, like, even running, like, Essence 13 and sometimes mm. with this podcast also, so um it is lonely mm, right like you yes. go through all the work and then you post like for me you post it out there and mm. you're like and not that likes are a measure of or shares are a measure of success mm. but you're like you want the story or this thing that you've poured your heart into to go to as many people exactly, you know, yes. people to experience as much as possible and you don't see that and then you're just like so let like mm. how do you how do, do I feel with it? Well, because I'm a kind of a friend of mine told me once that I have because I think that I'm a very pessimistic person, but I, for me, I don't find I don't find it bad. It's just that I always think that it's going to it cannot it can never get better. Like I always think that something bad is going to happen. That's how Which I. It's a double edged sword, right? Exactly. So you, you prepare so, for it, or it makes you crazy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So for me, the loneliness part, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to be depressed, and you know. So what I do, what I love doing, is dancing. So that's one of the things I love dancing. I wanted to be a dancer when I was younger, <laughs> but my mom gave me a look, and I understood. As an African kid from an African yeah. mom, to like over my dead body. So that one I quit. But I still have a lot for you know for African for. African music and dancing anyways and I love cooking also so a lot of time I would just go in my kitchen and cook you know not even for me because I'm not even eating it or just give to yeah. my neighbors so I find joy and I think that's why I work in the industry mm-hmm. I find joy serving people so when I feel bad about my numbers and I'm on my spreadsheet yeah. and I'm like where's the money going and everything I just go in my kitchen cook something and just knock at the door of my neighbor and give it to him yeah. I well, or just go out dance a bit yeah. you know have fun and come back to it you know and that was just, I would say, the easiest way to do it or dream about, you know, my dream house, how it would be, you know, just kind of try to project myself in the future. But it's not easy, I would say. It's not also easy to unplug from it, you know, like you're always working 24-7 almost. Yeah. But you kind of have to work yeah. through it. You have to suffer through it, I guess, and just accept that those are the emotions that you're going to have, but then, you know, okay. suck into it. So too much. then, like, what do you, I wasn't going to ask, but what do you enjoy? about working doing what you do for yourself and then the work you talk a little bit about serving people serving i love serving people like i sometimes it's tiresome <laughs> and sometimes like well how am i doing this yeah. but at the end of the day i think that i love having interactions with people i love being able to understand them and offer them a service something a small thing that we we'll never mm-hmm. think about uh the company that i work now with like my you know i would say my nine to five mm-hmm. job that i do now at some point, I told one of the guys, like, yeah, I might be moving. I don't know. Like, I'm always moving anyway. And the guy was like, no, please don't go. I was like, what do you mean? Like, you're old man. Like, I love your smile when I come in the Aww. morning. Like, when I see you in the morning and you're smiling, if you're not there, that's not it. You know, so when I see my manager, it's like, no, don't leave. Don't let her go. I was like, let's be less intense. Yeah. And those are small moments where I had a lot of my clients became not friends, but we'll spend holidays together, yeah. you know, or they send me messages about how the kids are doing, you know, yeah. how they're growing up and everything. And those are the things that I think are really, mm. you know, even though the yeah. day's long and hard, a good laugh with your team or a client, yeah. it's really amazing, yeah. you know. 
So um, now let's talk about your clientele or in the in the context of African food, which we're yes. talking about. Yeah. What do you see based on the work that you do? Are there sort of, I'll say top three again, like top yeah. three challenges. challenges that African food businesses face today? In, mm. in, in the, well, from what I've seen in London, and which I think a bit in, in France also, and also in Cameroon, is the lack of experience. A big lack of experience. What do I mean? Being a chef is something. Running a business is something mm. else. Or even running the business as the numbers is something else than running a restaurant, yeah. doing a shift and, you know, offering an experience. And I feel like a lot of people do forget that that's the biggest part of the job. You can have an amazing food, but if the experience, even the layout of the restaurant mm. doesn't, uh, you know, kind of uh, highlight that, then you've done nothing. So it's great that we have a lot of chefs coming out now. We have a lot of people trying the food and everything. But I feel like that missing one of the biggest part of the business is to have mm. a manager, someone who manages the business and knows mm. how it works. You don't have to be the manager. You can be a chef and just find someone who's qualified to do it for you. And and also a lot of people don't take time to go and work in the restaurants. So a lot of them will be like, yeah, I have a restaurant. Mm. I like to cook yeah. and everything. But when you go and actually work for a year or six months or just a summertime with chefs yeah. that have to do every single day, I don't know, 80 covers right. or 160, my my first restaurant were 160 covers. That means 160 dessert. You know, and yeah. if you have someone like that, I can show you how do you send a dessert at, yeah. a, at the right time for a table of 10 people, for example, yeah. or anything like that. Those are skills that you can learn in the book. And yeah. those are skills that you can learn in, in your kitchen home, cooking yeah. by yourself or cooking for 10 people. It's another level of skills yeah. that you have to develop, I think, to have a great so business. So you advise that they would... At least spend some time. Yeah, spend a, working in a restaurant, kitchen, yeah. good kitchen, good restaurant. Also, you know, like I said, I had I had a great experience when I started. I had one month in the kitchen, so I learned how to cook with the chefs. I'm not a chef, but yeah. I understood, you know, the processing, the prep in the morning. Mm-hmm. How do you, you know, how, what you can prep, like even two days in advance. Yeah. How long you can keep the food in the fridge? All these regulations that, but in more practical level. Yeah. Uh, you work also on the floor to understand how you serve people, when you serve people, how to read the body language of the people that are sitting there, if they're happy or not, before they say anything. Yeah. And then also the managing side of it, of like the numbers, yeah. what you record or what you don't record. So I think it's really important for the businesses that we have now to go and work in good institutions that have a good, you know, good job and good standards so mm. they can see what good standards look like. Because in a lot of restaurants that I see here, a lot of them don't go and eat out. Yeah. in other restaurants fine yeah. dining or anything like that so they can see what people yeah. are expecting from them when they're coming yeah. to the to the business yeah. you know because you say that and i think of a specific nigerian restaurant in new york mm. which probably needs that experience <laughs> <laughs> because it's like you go you go to this restaurant and it's a very popular restaurant but mm. i'm sure if people listening who live in new york probably know the one i'm talking about <laughs> you go and like the place is half empty. Okay. So maybe you go during the day or whatever. So it shouldn't be busy. So when I sit down, within five, it's even five minutes is long. But within it's like five minutes, you should come. To, like you're sitting at the bar watching, like, you know, you can tell from mm. our body language, like yes. you were saying, that we yes. are waiting for you to yes. bring us a menu, yes. explain yes. whatever. That doesn't happen. When the menu eventually comes, half of the stuff is not cook not ready or whatever then whatever they bring out is mm. microwave you can tell okay this is what we have left <laughs> it can be so embarrassing if you're bringing someone new to experience yes. african food or nigerian yeah. food specifically that experience alone is yes, just 
Well, I, I have to say, I have to be honest that when I bring African, non-African friends to African restaurants, which I always, I always try to do, I always tell them, we're going to wait. Like, I just prefer them. Just I'm, like, like, I'm preparing you. Let's have a bunch though, right? Yeah, I know, but I say have to prepare them. Yeah. Like, let's have like a small snack and then have a <laughs> bottle of wine or two. Sometimes it's even you have the time yeah. to finish two bottles of wine before your food arrives you know i remember once i was in the restaurant in london i had to wait 45 minutes for a pepper soup 45 yeah, minutes i'm just like yeah. what were you doing are you chopping still the, like the meat or oh, what's happening in your kitchen you know yeah. and that's why i say it's so important to it's not just about you having a bit of money and thinking oh i'm going to open right. a restaurant it's being able to do a prep for me a pepper soup you can prep it today and serve yeah. it today and tomorrow so yeah. you should be just a way of you warming it up at the beginning yeah. of the service having the right temperature and you know having a bain-marie which sometimes like once i talked with the russian owner i was like wow you should have a bain-marie for your soup yeah. and then keeps the temperature like what's a bain-marie i was like what 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 yeah. <laughs> like what do you mean what's a bain-marie that's one of the first tools you should yeah. buy for your kitchen you know so i think yeah the lack of experience is one big thing and also i think the second thing that i would say that i see a lot is uh uh they're not thinking big enough you know, in our industry, not thinking big enough. Mm. And especially when I came in London, there's a lot of chains here. People don't, like, we don't feel it because every time you go to a Nando's, you feel like it's a, it's a the, unique. Yeah. And was, I'll talk about Nando's. Every single Nando's restaurant has a unique design. You never see two Nando's alike. Mm. The design, the artwork, everything is different. Even the layout because the flow for yeah. the client is different, right? So every time you go there, you have a unique experience mm. in that restaurant. It won't be the same in another restaurant, you know? So I think the restaurateurs or the restaurant owners are not thinking big enough. It's like, how can I create an empire from this? Yeah. That way, when you're designing your menu, you're designing a menu for an empire. Mm. So I think that's one of the things we're thinking too small. Like, yeah. like, I paid my bills. I paid everything. You just say to me before off, off, off record, like, yeah, you paid your bills. You paid school for kids. That's it. I'm done. Yeah. You know? And that's one of the big thing. Catering industry is really big. It's billions of yeah. dollars. It's a big, big market. And you still have newcomers. And you still yeah. have people buying other newcomers. So there's big money to be yeah. made. So. And especially now today where people are cooking less for themselves. Exactly. You know? And so there's Exactly. Just... There's many options. You can do ready meals. You can work for com yeah. corporate companies. You can even work in just, I would say, more industrial side mm -hmm. of it. So there's so much to be done. And I think we're not just not grasping it enough. Yeah. And we're not aware of the diversity of the jobs and, you know, mm. careers that you have in the yeah. you know, agro, agro business, actually, which is, you yeah. know, is quite diverse. So that's the second thing that I've seen here so far. So I said, lack of experience, I would say also, like I said, no, not thinking big enough. Mm. And the third one is, I think that those covers, those two, yeah. two covers, okay. the biggest challenges that we have in the industry okay. so far. Okay. And so based on your experience, if an African food business owner was listening, like what like two, three tips would you give them? Something they can do today to sort of change the experience that they're having in it, whether it's a pop up, whether it's an actual restaurant. Mm. So first, if you don't want to do it or if you cannot do it, recruit someone that can do it for you. Yeah. That's money well spent, you know. So I think having restaurant manager you don't have to be owner and manager yeah. if you don't know how to do it fair enough you don't have to be chef <laughs> exactly if you don't know how to do it recruit someone who's qualified who has experience not just your cousin or your brother you know, that's one thing and that is going to make a big change because yeah. that person is going to come and tell you what's not working right. in your kitchen he's going to help you recruit also new staff for your kitchen or not and train you your staff because the manager can train mm -hmm. your staff and i think also 
automation, like having systems in place. That's one big thing that we don't have as systems. Because if you have a system that you know what you're selling a lot during which day, so you can order accordingly. Yeah. Like you said, going to the restaurant <laughs> where you don't have things on your menu. It means that they don't have any system to yeah. record the sales. Not properly anyways. Yeah. You don't need to have a fancy software. It's easier if you have a software because that does all the calculation yeah. for yourself. But you have a lot of books out there where you can learn how to do yeah. like an Excel sheet. So That's an interesting thought because then a, a software will tell you, okay, um, pounded yam sells exactly X on Mondays. And exactly. Oh, it makes you... So, so a lot of, like when I started, I'm lucky that I started in big companies. So mm-hmm. Numbers are everything. Numbers tell this, you know, all the time in entrepreneurship, they say number tells the story, yeah? yeah? So literally, when we're doing our projection, because one of the things that we had to do is when you're doing the rotor of recruiting people, you have to recruit according to what you think you're going to sell. But how do you know oh. that, you know? So it's difficult when you're just starting your business to kind of forecast. Mm. But when you have already one year in your business or two years, you have a lot of data. Like you have like a gold mine there. Right. Of oh, data. You should, have a, you should have a lot of data because every single day you should record how much sales you made, how much tax you're paying on those sales. So what's the net revenue mm. that you have, how much stuff you paid for those, for, for that mm. money. So how much stuff do you need to make mm-hmm. that type of money? How much percentage it is on your, yeah. you know, on your, the benefit that you're doing. And then every single item, what you're selling yeah. and every day you're going to record that. Yeah. And every day is going to give you a picture of the type of food that people like and at which season. So yeah. next year, when you're like in May, let's say May, or yeah. you're doing projection for next week, well, we're in June now, yeah. July, let's say next week. So how much do I think I can make at sales? Go back to last year. How did how many right. sell, how much sales yeah. did I made last year? How what did I sell last year? Right. Was the temperature the same last year? Was it warm uh, or hot? Or how was it? You know, yeah. did they, did we have any big events last year? Do we have the same big events mm. this year in the area? Interesting. You know, yeah. and all that data helps you to say, okay, I'm going to do a thousand pound or two thousand yeah. pound, and then I last year I needed two people. Do I need more people this year? If I'm trying to see three, yeah. do three thousand, then maybe I need an extra person. You know. All those numbers are going to help you understand your business and maybe make better decisions. Yeah. If you see that you're not selling the Fanta, remove it. <laughs> yeah. You're not selling it. You or is the yeah. the or the money you're making for me is not enough to cover all your costs. Yeah. Just remove it from the menu. Yeah. And it's not really something sentimental. It's just the data yeah. data telling you what you have, what yeah, is good, really good point, what the yeah. good practices. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things, creating systems. I love systems because they never fail you in a sense. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's a good, good, good. Like I'm thinking about this the idea of systems and i think that that, that's going to be a game changer between having a good system and a good restaurant manager those two bang on like it was going to take some time but those two because the restaurant manager is going to help you reorganize reshape your the experience of it that's like what people can see and even yourself even money wise you know because sometimes just one company can do Mm. do the job of two people that Mm. just have come competent and that's money that you're right. you might think oh i'm paying him a bit more yeah. per hour but actually how much faster can yeah. you send food outside it means how much turnover like one tip also that i would say is when i see when i see restaurant owners and i say that's why you need a manager is that you have to have a turnover on your table so for me when i have yeah. a table in a restaurant i expect my client to be out in an hour hour and a half maximum that way i know on the day okay. i have a turnover this much yeah. on that table that's yeah. also something. If you're serving me my paper soup in 45 minutes, you've lost already, <laughs> yeah. you're giving me 15 minutes to eat it, pay my bill and everything. My turnover yeah. on that table is ridiculous. Yeah. So if you're having people That's staying amazing. on your table too long, then you cannot make enough money from that table. You know, And those are small tips yeah. that a manager, we know that as a restaurant owner, you don't have no, to know. Yeah. 
You don't have to. That's why I, I really want to stress that to people. You don't have to know it. It's fine if you don't know it. But yeah. just acknowledge get it right and get the right person to do so it So is that you. something... And I know you said you're not marketing yourself here, but I'm trying to do that for you. Is that something that you offer as a maybe consulting service? Yes, or even... it was. So I've worked like with the... I had one chef that had a restaurant, okay. yeah? So I did work with her. And one of the things that you cannot be everywhere also at the same time. Right. You might have different projects and everything. And that was one of the things that train the front of house so that they can, you know, be faster mm-hmm. and everything, work with the kitchen. And yes, that's something that I do offer because that's something that I know right. literally yeah. how to do. So that's not really difficult <laughs> for me to I know, you're just sit down. Up yeah, exactly. I can just sit down in your restaurant and tell you, okay, I know this is happening yeah. in your kitchen. I know this is wrong. I know it, like, you know, legislation wise, I can see, yeah. you know, I can see literally what's wrong and, okay. the, no, yeah, and help you really work on that. And it's a real key hopefully a real key differentiator for African, because I think we don't do well in the service experience. No, we, don't we don't do a really good job. Like the food is great, but we that don't. only gets you so far. Exactly. But so. it's because they don't think about it. And that's why I say, if you're going, if you have a restaurant and you're a restaurant owner or a chef, you should be eating out at least once a month yeah, in another true. restaurant. And a, a better, it's like, a better suppression compared to your service. Mm. So you can see the difference and you can understand what are they doing mm. good that I'm not doing. And how can I translate it to my African Russian and African yeah. experience? It, ha- it doesn't have to be an yeah. African Russian. You have to go... I mean, someone... I was reading the menu of Petrus. It's a Russian from Gordon yeah. Ramsay, yeah? You have a glass of Petrus that are 900 pounds. Just one glass of wine. For people to go and pay that kind of 900... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You understand? So for me, I'm like, okay, I need to go and eat there. <laughs> I don't still have that kind of money. But I know that service-wise, yeah. if they're offering you a glass of money at 900 pounds, it's right. something they're doing right. right. And the yeah. people are get, going there. Purchase has been open for years and yeah. years. I think more than 20 years. So there's something that they're doing right for people to be able to just pay 900 pounds <laughs> for a glass of I wine. Know. That's not even kind of food. <laughs> like, it's just one glass. It's not the bottle. I was going to say, it's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I've been thinking of where I can pay back for a bottle. What exactly. A glass? So if you're a restaurant owner and you're a small level and you go to those kind of restaurants, and you see how they're working you're like oh, okay maybe I don't want it to be this uptight yeah. but what are the small things that I'm doing that mm-hmm. I can implement in my yeah, and then make a difference, difference yeah. you know so you should be as a Russian and because it's very easy actually to do kind of like economical spy or like spy on competitors yeah. it's very easy in a Russian it's one of the easiest yeah. you just go buy and you just go and dine and that's it <laughs> You learn Ooh, tips from there. So much we learned here today. Yes, oh, yeah, tips. Thank you, thank you. This is You're really welcome. great. Um, before we transition to rapid fire, yeah, tell people where they can find you online. Yes. Yeah, so so far online, you can find me on Twitter, which is like the best place <laughs> for me, anyways. Uh, so Twitter at Suzanne Tiega. That's me. I'm also on Facebook, but I have to say my Facebook is like, like I said, my marketing <laughs> yeah. is not the best ever. I'm working on my website, so I'm going to do a website assembly. So that's going to be coming out soon, but mainly I'll be on Twitter. Okay. Yes. All right. Good. All right. So rapid fire question. Time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask you this first one because you just mentioned. I think I know you, the answer already. Instagram or Twitter? Twitter. Definitely. I still have to figure <laughs> the Instagram, the nice pictures yeah. thing. So you were in Edinburgh for your master's. So yes. Edinburgh or London, if you had to. <sighs> oh, that's a difficult one. <laughs> I'd say London because I can meet a lot of Scottish people also here. <laughs> okay. I have a bit of everything yeah, here. Yeah, a bit of everything, yeah. Okay. Buffet or a la carte? A la carte. A la carte. Red always. wine or white wine? 
Ooh, it depends with what. But I'll say red wine is healthier, less sugar. So <laughs> okay. it'll be a healthier option. All right. Coffee right. or tea? <laughs> Let's go for tea. Let's go for tea. I'm English. Yeah. yeah. Um, dining or takeout? Uh, dining. Always. Yeah. All the way out. Sweet or salty? Salty. Salty. Always. <laughs> Morning person or night person? Night. <laughs> Morning. I just get. I. I'm oh, a zombie yeah, until right. ten a.m. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you had to live on one dish for the rest of your life. Wow. What would that be? One dish? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Hmm. I'll say peanuts too. Oh, really? Like yes. a Cameroonian West African yeah. peanuts? Yeah. Peanuts too. Yeah. It's okay. really good. But in Cameroon, we do it with okra. Also, we put okra oh, sometimes yeah. inside. So it's quite diverse. We put, yeah. Sometimes we put some vegetable, cassava inside. You know, yes. we, we yeah. play around with the word peanuts too. <laughs> I love peanuts too. Good, good, good. And then what's your favorite African restaurant or pop-up? Anywhere in the world. I <laughs> Paris, yeah, I know, no. Um, so I don't have a favorite one yet. Because you don't want to mess up any of your <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a favorite one yet because I still have to find the right combination okay. of, I would say, food, good experience. food experience, good service, and also the consistencies of okay. it all. Ah, that's a good quote. So, because you have to be able to go many times there and still find the same yeah. service and the same quality. And I feel, I feel like that's also one thing that's yeah. missing a lot. So I still have to find a good one. But I'm looking forward to try some because I've not tried everyone yet. Yeah. But yeah, consistency. But I don't have a favorite one, to be honest with you, because I feel like we don't have the right mix yet of all those okay. three elements. We'll need to come back and ask you like a year from now if, I know, you, right? if you found the right one. Okay, thank you so much. This is like thank you for so, having so me. And I, and I know the people that are listening, especially those that own... African restaurants, yes. pop ups, etc. We'll have learned some tips today that they can. I use. hope also. Maybe yeah. I should do a three to three that's true. Yeah, thread about like helpful. things today. Yeah, yeah, this is good. All right, thanks, guys. This is the end of the episode. We'll see you next time. Bye. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to Item 13, an Essence 13 production. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Keep up to date on news and events from Essence 13. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Essence and the number 13. Thank you.